Amen. All right. Well, if you would take your Bible and turn to the book of James, James chapter number four. And as you're turning there, if you would uh, join me in standing for the reading of God's word. For Grandparents Day, we are uh, taking these photos. Um, We have our backdrop to my right, your left. And if you haven't had your photo taken with your grandparents slash grandchildren, um, after the service, that'll be available until uh, that's done. So uh, make sure you get that. And then what we'll do is try to have those pictures available for you to pick up next Sunday. And uh, we'll have those available for you as a complimentary uh, souvenir of our day-to-day. So James chapter number 4, we're going to read verses 13 through 17. James chapter number 4, uh, verses 13 through 17. And the Word of God says this, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell, and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And let's pray together. Lord, we are thankful for the service thus far. Thank you for the good music and for the opportunity to sing these songs unto you. And uh, Lord, I I thank you for the opportunity to give and, and to fellowship with one another. Lord, now as we turn our attention to the Word of God, I pray, Lord, you'd use it in our lives um, and help us to grow. Help us, Lord, to apply. My brother Rick just prayed, Lord, help us to be good hearers, but also good doers of the Word. We um, just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Last Sunday, we looked at James chapter number 4, verses 11 and 12, those two verses, in how it encouraged us not to speak evil one of another, nor to judge our brother's motives. And I was thinking about this after the fact, that uh, we live here in the United States, and in our uh, justice system, we here in the United States, everybody who is accused of a crime is considered innocent until proven guilty. And yet, when it comes to the motives of our brothers and sisters, a lot of times we reverse it, don't we? We, we automatically think they're guilty un- until they're proven innocent. And that ought to be the case with us as believers, that we ought to give each other the benefit of the doubt and uh, to assume the best rather than automatically assume the worst. And that's what we looked at last week. Um, and the encouragement there is that uh, there is one uh, good reminder. There's one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. And uh, who do we think we are that we can get to a place where we can start judging one another? We don't need to take that place. That place is already taken by somebody who does it perfectly every single time. So we can just step off the throne and let him have his rightful place there. Well, then now he turns his attention, James does, to those who are planning. 
And how many of you would say this morning that you say, I am a planner. I like to have everything organized. I have, to, I, I have a lot of different tools that I use. How many of you are big planners? Would you raise your hand? Okay. Uh, some of you, how many of you are just, you don't plan anything. It's just Mr. Spontaneous. Okay. Um, you don't even know what an organizer looks like. You don't know what a calendar looks like. Um, you just kind of like have no idea what the next day holds. Well, um, here James is addressing those who are really into planning. And, I, and, and if you're not a real planner, this doesn't necessarily mean you need to tune me out today. Uh, there's still some truth that I think all of us can apply to our lives. Um, when I go, my wife and I try to do a date night at least once a week. It doesn't always work out that way, but that's the plan. We do try to do that. Um, and when we have our date nights, we do different things, of course. Uh, we've done miniature golf. We go to restaurants usually. We go out to eat and, and enjoy just spending time together. Um, but one of the, my wife's favorite activities to do on a date night is having a planning meeting. That is her favorite and most romantic activity. That couldn't be further from that definition for me, but for her, when, we, when, when I say, bust out your planner, she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, let's talk about, it. okay, what appointments do we have this week that we need to make sure that we remember? And, and she just is loving every moment of that. She loves to plan. Now, when it comes to planning, planning is not wrong, and we're going we're gonna to notice that here. Planning is definitely something that's healthy and something that we all should take some time to do to a point, but, but ultimately, we need to acknowledge God in all of our planning. And, and, and what, was guilt, what, what, what the people that James was addressing here, they were guilty of not including God. And so uh, they were pretty prideful in their planning because they were boasting it in verse number 16. You, re you rejoice in your boasting and all such rejoicing is evil. They were, they were talking about all the things that they were going to do and they were kind of bragging about it. And uh, James needed to address this. And, and I think some, sometimes we as believers can be guilty of this as well. And I believe that this uh, message, this passage will be a, a help to all of us. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and jump into our message here. And, 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 and if we're going to avoid having prideful planning and instead have proper planning, first of all, we need to add God to our plans. Add God to our plans. In verse number 13, he says, go to now. And that, that, that's not a phrase that we use in our modern day vernacular. We don't say, go to now. That doesn't make really any sense to us, but what, in a modern vernacular, it means like, come on now. Come on now. Like, wake up. Um, he says, uh, go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. They were making plans. Uh, now, again, planning wasn't the issue here. That's not why James wrote this. The plans were, were, were pretty detailed, actually. Um, and for those who like to have it all organized and the plan all laid out perfectly, uh, you would appreciate verse number 13 because they had it all laid out perfectly. They had the, the time laid out. In verse number 13, today or tomorrow is when we're going to do this. So the time, the personnel, um, we 
Um, we're, the, the people involved, we are going to, so it's the when, the who, and then the where, the place. He goes and says, uh, we're going to go into such a city. So probably we're going to go into, like, let's say Lawton, and we're going to go and do business there. Okay, so they, they said such a city, and then also they, they mentioned and planned the duration. They're going to continue there a year. And then the activity, what they're going to do is they're going to buy and sell. And the anticipated result was that they were going to get gain. Now, sounds like a pretty good plan if you ask me, but there is one major problem here. These plans completely left God out of the picture. And that, my friend, is where the problem is in our lives, too. Making plans is not the problem, but when we fail to include God in our plans, that's where the real problem lies. See, planning is fine so long as God is in those plans. Hudson Taylor had definite convictions about how God's work should be done. Uh, we, we can make our best plans. There's, there's three different options here, right? We can make our best plans and try to carry them out in our own strength. So that's option one. Option two is a little bit better. We can make careful plans and ask God to bless them. But then yet another way of working is to begin with God, to ask His plans, and then to offer ourselves to Him to carry out His purposes. That's the best option. Rather than saying, okay, Lord, this is what I've got planned. Please bless these plans. Better to say, Lord, what are your plans? And I want to submit myself to your plans for my life, for my day. Um, it reminds me a little bit of uh, the, the plan here that these people made in verse number 13. It reminds me a little bit of the, that, that rich man in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 12. Uh, Jesus said uh, to his disciples, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Then he goes on to share a parable. He said that he spake a parable unto them, saying, the, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room wherewith to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I. I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So this man was rich, but he was rich towards the things of this earth rather than towards God. And one of the things is he was guilty of is making all these plans without consulting God, without considering the Lord at all in these plans. Reminds me of someone else who continued to make plans without consulting God. In Isaiah 14, it tells us about Lucifer who uh, continued to say, I will as well. Isaiah 14, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which this weak in the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. God said, No, no, you can make all these plans all you want, but you did not consult me, and they are not according to the will of God. So the next verse says, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. So again, 
okay to make plans for our day, for our week, for our life, for what's next in our life. Great to do so. But don't forget to include God in those plans. And there's teenagers. I would love to talk to, talk to the teenagers here this morning. You young people, as you have your whole lives ahead of you, and you think, well, boy, what am I going to do with my life? And I remember as a youth pastor, I would uh, to make conversation with teenagers and to kind of try to build a good relationship with them. I would, I would ask them the question, hey, so, so what do you want to do with your life? And they would tell, they would tell me, oh, I want to be a doctor. I want to go into law or I want to uh, be a PE teacher. I don't know what they, uh, I, whatever they said. Then, then the Lord began to convict me and say, Eric, that's not the best question to ask them. Because they're making these plans without consulting me. So I began to ask the question, instead of what do you want to do with your life, I changed it to what does God want you to do with your life? Because every teenager needs to consider God as they consider their future. Too many teenagers are like, oh, no, no, I just need to make money. I need to be successful. I need to be popular. I need to, I need to have a lot of possessions. And so whatever, whatever I need to do in order to get there, that's what I need to do. No, no, no. Teenagers, as you plan your future, as you think about the plan for your future, don't leave God out of the plan for your future. Do I think that every teenager needs to go to... Bible college and to become a pastor or a missionary. No, I don't think that's God's will for every teenager to do. But you should at least consider it. Instead of just writing it off because it's not what you want, why don't you consider what God wants once in a while? Because God may want you to do that. And, and I'm telling you, as someone who never thought one time when I was a teenager that I would be in this spot, I tell you, I'm glad God directed this way, and I'm glad I'm doing what I'm doing. It is rewarding in a way that is hard to even put into words. Are there challenges? Yes. But would there be challenges in any other vocation? Yes. So why not consider serving God with your future? Why not give your future to God? He gave his life for you. Why couldn't you give your life for him? So teenagers... Don't forget to include God in your plans. Adults, oh, well, we don't need this message. That's for the teenagers. Uh, no, no, adults, we need to remember to include God in our plans, to recognize God's will is of utmost importance in our lives, and, and we need to make sure that as we plan our week, as we plan our day, as we plan our, our, our life, that we include God in those, in, in those plans. Well, I'm, I, don't, I don't have any time scheduled for my relationship with God. Your, your plans are off then. You're not considering God in your plans. So you need to include God in your daily plan to spend time with Him, with the one who gave His life for you. Could you not schedule some time with Him every day? And if you're planning your day and there's no time for the Lord... You're guilty of what they were doing in James chapter number 4. That we're going to do this and we're going to do that, but, but there's no God. Well, God. God's not even in there. What about those adults? And this might be a little controversial, but I want you to think about this. As you, as you plan for your future, 
for, for those who are in your, the fourth quarter of your life, and you're considering what's beyond even this life and what you're going to do with your estate after this life, and you're making plans for what, what, how your estate is going to be divvied out, can I encourage you to include God in those plans too? Whoa, 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 whoa. no, no, all, all that goes to my children. I understand that. I'm not saying your children don't need that, and, and it wouldn't be a help to them, but, but imagine if the Lord's people would include God in their estate planning to the Lord's work. Imagine what could be done, how many buildings could be built, how many missionaries could be supported, how, much tra- how many tracts could be uh, printed up, uh, what, 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 what good could be done in the co- for the cause of Christ if, if people would remember to include God in their estate planning. Estate planning is not bad, but I would just want to encourage you to add God to your plans. Don't, don't remove him from, from your plans. Add him to those plans. See, plans are fine so long as God is included in them. See, verse number 15, he tells us what we should do. He says, for that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. See, it's all submissive to the will of God. And by the way, it's not, it ought not to be just lip service. And I know I've talked to some people, and they always say, Lord willing, for everything. And, and it's fine to say, there's nothing wrong with saying it, but more important, it is to, to live it out. If the Lord wills, then, then I'll do this. And, and if the Lord, it's, if it's within the will of God, then I'll do that. See, um, plans are fine so long as God is included in them. And it was Jesus who prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thine be done. See, there, when it comes to our plans, we need to be subservient to the will of God. Lord, this is, this is what I'm thinking might be the best course of action. But Lord, if it's not your will, I, I, I submit that to you. And I, I, I'm willing to give up my plans so that your will can be done. That's, that's the heart that we should have. And that's what James is trying to encourage these believers here is stop, stop like, like wake up and, and, and stop planning all these things without even acknowledging God. Let's instead say, hey, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So first, we need to add God to our plan. Secondly, we need to accept what God says about life. Verse number 14 James says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. You can make all these plans, but the truth is, none of us really know what tomorrow holds. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. A couple thoughts here about life and what God says about life here. First of all, life is uncertain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. None of us know what tomorrow holds. Now, tomorrow is September 11th, and you go back, what is it, 22 years ago, on September 10th, no one really knew what the next day would hold. September 11th took place, 2001. Life is uncertain, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. You can make all these plans, but anything can happen, an accident, a tragedy, health, anything can happen. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived in Proverbs 27, 1 said, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. 
None of us are guaranteed another day. None of us aren't even guaranteed another moment, really. Life is uncertain, and no one can tell the future. Only God knows what tomorrow will bring. Years ago, there was, there was a traveling preacher who spoke of an encounter he had with an old gypsy woman who claimed that she could tell the future. She said to this preacher, Cross my palm with silver, and I'll read your fortune for you, sir. Do you mean to say, replied the preacher, that if I give you some money, you'll tell me what's going to happen to me in the future? Well, she assured him that she would. Well, he said, let's get specific. If I give you money, you, can you tell me what I'll be doing this time tomorrow? And she assured him that she could. Ah, he said, but you see, my friend, I don't believe you can tell me what I'll be doing tomorrow, uh, but I'll cross your palm with silver twice if you'll just tell me what I was doing yesterday. <laughs> and the deal was off. See, no one knows what the future holds except the one who holds the future, and that's the Lord. I was thinking about this living here in Oklahoma where... Weathermen have literally gained celebrity status, where people will stand in line to get their picture taken with a weatherman. And from a California boy, that just is hilarious to me. But being here almost five years, I've developed my favorite weatherman, too. So I'm part of the culture. But even weathermen, as good as all the things that are exclusive to Channel 9 or exclusive to Channel 4 or whatever channel you watch, you know, we have the greatest technology, we have the greatest radar, we have the Doppler 7000 or whatever it was. Even with all of those things, can they accurately tell what's going to happen? No. And many times they're a little disappointed that it's not more exciting. <laughs> like there's no tornadoes tonight. You can kind of see a little, little frustration on their face, you know. They're bummed out. They want to see more damage, more destruction. And it's, but look, these guys, as good as they try, and, and obviously they do help a lot of us stay alert and aware and it's amazing that we'll watch the weather for hours on end. I tell people from California, they're like, you do what? Yeah, we watch weather for like three or four hours straight. It's awesome. It's, it's wonderful. It's exciting. They're like, are you serious? Weather forecasters can't accurately do that. Why? Because they don't know what the future holds. Sports, sports people who think they know who's going to win the games. I'm really glad that Alabama lost yesterday to Texas. Can I get an amen on that one? I know, I, I know this is OU territory and we don't like Texas, but we like Texas when they beat Alabama, right? Um, but we, we can't accurate that those guys, you know, may have an idea of who might win based on different things, but they, they don't know stock market analysts. They, they don't know what the stock market is going to do. They may have an idea. But they don't really know. Look, no one knows what shall be on the morrow. What's more important to know what's going to be on the morrow is to know the one who does and to simply trust him. Because God is sovereign and in complete control. Psalm 37, 23, I love this verse. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. 
God, God knows what tomorrow holds. He knows what I need tomorrow. He knows what you need tomorrow. Let's just trust him to guide and order our steps. And uh, it is a good reminder uh, to uh, accept what God says about life. Life is uncertain. And then he also says life is short. In verse number 14, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Life is short. It's a vapor. Now, you may or may not believe this, but I actually do know what hairspray is like. Okay? I realize I don't have a lot of need for hairspray right now in my life. But back in the day when I was a teenager, yes, I had hair, and yes, I used Aquanet. And I had a sweet hairdo back in the day. You should see pictures. Actually, you should not see pictures. <laughs> um, but I remember that stuff. You just spray it, and it, it, the, the mist appears, and then, it, and then it's gone, right? That is what James says our life is like. It's even a vapor. It's like hairspray, or it's like mist, uh, maybe even like water vapor, that you, you, steam that you see from a boiling water. You see it kind of come up out of there, and then it's gone. It, it disappears. That is like our life. You say, well, that's the only time that shows up in the Bible, right, that our life is short. Oh, actually, there's several verses. I have multiple. I don't know that I'll read all of them, but here's a couple of them. Psalm 78 and verse number 39 says, For he remembereth that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. Job 7, verse 6, Job said, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. In verse 9 of that same chapter, he says, As the cloud is consumed and vanisheth away, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. Job 8, verse 9, For we are but of yesterday and know nothing, because our days upon earth are a shadow. Psalm 144 and verse 4, man is like to vanity, his days are as a shadow that passeth away. Psalm 39 verse 5, behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Psalm 103, verse 15, As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it, know it no more. You see, uh, here in Oklahoma, we're starting to, the, the grass is starting to not be so green anymore. Now, praise the Lord, we have some rain coming, Lord willing, tomorrow and Tuesday, I think, according to weather forecasters. But we know that this grass is pretty soon here in Oklahoma going to be completely brown for several months. Well, it was just beautifully green just a couple months ago, and, and we were having to you know, mow our yard twice a week. It was in its prime. But now it's starting to go away. That's a symbol and an illustration of our lives. Yes, we come up, we're born, and we have a life, and we're in our prime of our life, and then eventually we start to wane a little bit, and pretty soon we're in the grave. I'm not trying to be morbid and discouraging here, but I'm trying to show us the reality of what God says, that a life is a vapor, it appears for a little time, and then vanisheth away. 
Psalm 90 and verse number 9, All our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength it be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Uh, look here, it says, generally most people live to about 70-ish years. And if by reason of strength it be fourscore years, 80. You're on borrowed time, so to speak. You're, you're living in overtime. You get bonus time here on this earth. And I know there's people who live far greater than that, but the point is, uh, our life is simply but a speck on the timeline of eternity. Since life is so brief, we really can't afford to merely spend our lives. We certainly don't want to waste our lives. Instead, let's invest our lives in things that are eternal. Let's make the most of our vapor. You think about water vapor for a second, steam. Steam can just disappear. But steam can also be channeled and used to accomplish great things. You think about the Industrial Revolution when, when those steam engines kind of came into, into existence. They were able to take steam and channel it for good. Instead of just wasting it and letting it disappear. Look, your life is a vapor. Are you going to let it just disappear and accomplish nothing? Or are you going to let God channel your life, your vapor, and accomplish something good with it. Our life is a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Why not make the most of that vapor and use it for God's glory? Today is uh, Grandparents' Day. And there was a lady in the New Testament, and I, I think my wife mentioned it to the ladies in the ladies' class. Her name is Lois. How did she use her vapor? She used her vapor to try to influence and impact her grandson named Timothy, who ended up going on to become very instrumental in the early church. She used her vapor and let God channel that vapor to accomplish much for his glory. What are you going to do with your vapor? Say, oh, there's not much left of my vapor. doesn't mean that God can't still use your vapor. Some of you young people, as I've already said, you have, a, you have a whole, you're not even in your prime yet. Well, give your whole life to the Lord. He gave his whole life for you. Make the most of your vapor. Okay, it appears for a little time, a little time, and then vanisheth away. And this should encourage us regarding making sure that we're saved. Because again, nobody knows here when that day is going to be the last day. So, if you're here and you're not a believer, can I encourage you to make the greatest decision of your life to be born again and place your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation so that you can have forgiveness of sins, so that you can become part of his family, so that you can know for sure that you have eternal life in heaven. You're here and you've never placed your faith in Christ don't wait till tomorrow. And Paul said to the church at Corinth, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next year, not when you get everything figured out. No, today is the day of salvation. Get it settled today. And what better day than Grandparents' Day 2023? Because guess what? We don't know what tomorrow holds. So make sure that you are a child of God today. And for those of us who are saved... 
Okay, what about those who in our life don't know the Lord? What about those in our life who are not yet Christians, who have never trusted Christ as, our, as their Savior? What, 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 what about them? Well, they've got plenty of time. Oh, do they? Oh, I've got plenty of opportunities to witness to them. Oh, do you? Do you know that for sure? I mean, I've heard weathermen say, for sure we're going to see a tornado in this area. No tornadoes in that area. Oh, we're going to have a ton of snow. Yeah, not even a flake. So you think you know your future. You think you know how many opportunities you're going to have with your loved ones who need the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't know that. So take advantage of the ones, the opportunities that you do have. We're coming up to the holiday season. Finally. At least that's what Costco tells me because there's Christmas trees everywhere in Costco right now. Like, what in the world? We're barely at the beginning of September. Why are we seeing Christmas already? But we, we are coming up to those times when we can be with family and we have those opportunities to witness to our families. Let's seize those opportunities because we may not have another one. There ought to be some urgency in our hearts regarding witnessing to those who are not yet saved. There needs to be some urgency for that. So if we're going to have proper planning, we need to add God to our plans. We're going to also need to accept what God says about life. And then thirdly, we're, we need to avoid sin. In verse number 16, it says, Now, but now ye rejoice in your boastings, and all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So there's a, there's a couple sins James tells us to avoid if we're going to have, uh, not, not be guilty of prideful planning. First, we're going to have to avoid the sin of boasting in our plans. Boasting in our plans. Verse 16, you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Evidently, the Christians that James was addressing were guilty of priding themselves in their plans for the future. They were like, oh yeah, we've got it all figured out. This is what we're going to do. They were arrogant in their confidence that nothing would interfere with their time schedule. They acted as if they were the masters of their own fate. James says this boasting is evil because it leaves God out. And it doesn't give room for God, for, for God to change our, our, our mind and our schedule. Perhaps James had his friend Peter in mind when he penned this particular verse. Because remember Peter who made some plans... And he was pretty proud of his plans. And the plans were, I will never deny you, Lord. It's not going to happen. It may happen to other people, but not to me. And he was pretty proud about it. Well, we all know what happened there. But when we start saying, this is what I'm going to do, and nothing's going to stop me from doing it. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? Now, I'm, I'm all for having a, a, a firm commitment to the Lord, but we also need to not be boasting in it and proud about it, and that is a sin that G James tells us to avoid. So avoid the sin of boasting about your plans, but then secondly here, avoid the sin of not doing the will of God. Verse 17 is a very convicting verse. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, 
and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You and I are accountable to do what we know is right. And most of us are familiar with the thou shalt nots in the Bible, right? Thou shalt not commit murder, thou shalt not commit adultery. And we're pretty good about not doing those things. But what about the things that we are supposed to be doing, the thou shalts? Because we ought not to be guilty of sins of commission, the ones that we're breaking God's law by doing something we shouldn't do, but we ought not to also be guilty of omission, omitting the things that God wants us to be doing. And so here he says, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. One, uh, one preacher gave an illustration on this, and he said, when I was trying to teach my children this verse, he said, let's suppose for a minute that your mom was really, really sick, and she needed to just take it easy for a few days, and she was just needing to lay down and, and uh, take care of herself. And then you go into the kitchen, and you see a giant pile, I mean, Mount St. dishes, piling up the need to be done, and you don't do them. Well, I'm just going to wait for her to get better. No, no. If you know what you should be doing in that moment and you don't do it, it's sin. Ouch. I hope my children are listening to that. I hope I'm listening to that. <laughs> when you see an opportunity to do good, let's take advantage of it. Let's not just pass by the other side. And as I say that, I'm thinking of the story of the Good Samaritan. Because there was this traveler that was totally beat up and left for dead in a ditch. And there were two religious individuals who knew what, they, what was good to do in that moment. It wasn't like that they didn't have the knowledge that helping this guy would have been the right thing to do. Both a priest and a Levite walked by, saw this guy, and then said, Whoop, nope, I'm going to go over here on this side of the road. I don't want to deal with that right now. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So both... According to that verse, both the priest and the Levite were guilty of sin in that scenario. And you and I are guilty of sin when we see someone in need and have the ability to help, and we don't. When you know what God's will is to do, and we're not willing to do it, that's sin. Well, that doesn't seem like a sin to me. Now, that's what the Bible says here. We can claim ignorance all we want, but... Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, the things that we know that are right to do, and if we don't do them, to him it is sin. Here in the book of James, it's kind of a pretty good theme that we're instructed to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, that we're not just to know what's right, know what we're supposed to do, but to, to actually do it. James 1.22 is, of course, the verse that comes to mind for sure. It says, be, not, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. But it's found in chapter 4 and verse number 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. In other words, 
do what God says to do. And then in chapter 4 and verse 11, at the end of it, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. We need to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Not just knowing what is right, knowing what is good, but going that next step further and doing it. So today and this week, throughout our lives, as you see opportunities to do good, don't just know that you should. Take that next step and actually do it. I love what the Bible says in Acts chapter number, oh boy, I don't have it in my notes. I think it's Acts chapter number 20 and verse 35. If you would take your Bible and turn there real quick, Acts chapter 20 and verse number 35. Oh, it's not the verse. It's a great one, though. I've showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. That can certainly apply here. The verse I was looking for is when uh, they talked about how Jesus went about doing good. He looked for opportunities to do good. And I want to encourage us as we leave these doors here in just a few minutes that we look for opportunities to do good to others. Well, yeah, but they're not going to do anything good back for me. It doesn't matter. Let's look for opportunities. And if we're not willing to, it's sin. I don't know how else to say it. That's what the Bible says. That's what James said. Holy Spirit inspired him to say that, and it's right. So, whether you're a planner or not, to instead of being a prideful planner, let's be a proper planner. And the way to do that is first to include and add God to our plans. Don't leave God out of our plans. We need to make sure that God is included in all of our plans. And not just to say, it's not bad to say, if the Lord wills, and, and saying, Lord willing, that's fine to say, but more important to think and, and plan according to the will of God. And then to accept what God has to say about life, that hey, life is unpredictable, it's uncertain, and it is also very short. It appears for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Are you ready to vanish away? I don't think any of us would say, oh, please sign me up for that. Where's the sign-up sheet for vanishing away today? But are you ready for that? Because it could happen. None of us are guaranteed to make it through the rest of this day. I hope and pray all of us do and think we all will. But we need to be ready in case we don't. Because one day, you won't make it through that day. So are you ready to vanish away? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? If not, today's the day to take care of that. Not tomorrow, not someday down the road, today. And then for those of us, again, who are, let's look for opportunities to do good. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. One of the greatest things, one of the goodest things, and I realize that's not a word, one of the goodest things we can do it's telling others about Jesus Christ and how they can have eternal life. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till, well, this opportunity came and went and I didn't do it. Therefore, to him to knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Avoid sin. Avoid sin. Avoid the sin of boasting about your plans 
and avoid the sin of not doing the will of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the day today. Thank you for the opportunity to look into your word and to look at this sobering passage of Scripture. Lord, I pray that you would help us to apply these truths to our lives and that, Lord, we would be good planners, but to make sure that we include you in those plans.